You're listening to the Viva La Mami podcast, a podcast about all things motherhood. I'm your host, Jessica Cuevas. I am a mother of one on a mission to redefine the meaning of motherhood as a first-generation, bilingual, and bicultural Latina mommy. Regardless if we feel like a failure from time to time, or if we succeeded with the little things in our motherhood journey, it is important to celebrate all of these experiences as madres. So bring your cafecito as I invite you to be a part of this space and create raw and honest conversations about the exciting and challenging parts of being a mommy. Ahora, vámonos. Hola, hola, amiga. Today we are welcoming Yesenia Mercedes for another VLM Spotlight. After struggling for about two years with infertility and experiencing a loss through an early miscarriage, she has become very passionate about advocating for women and their maternal mental health. Due to her personal experience with an OBGYN, fertility specialist, and an unexpected C-section, she wants to be a light in someone else's darkness. Yesenia is currently a perinatal mental health coordinator for the Emotional Wellbeing Program at the Partnership for Maternal and Child Health of Northern New Jersey, where she is responsible for supporting, educating, and connecting women to perinatal mental health services in their local community. She is the creator of Rooted Courage, a platform on Instagram where she shares her motherhood journey, all while empowering and advocating for mamas. I will include a little trigger warning here that Yesenia does share her infertility story and a miscarriage. I want to be mindful that this may be triggering for some who are experiencing this or who have not yet healed from the traumas of their fertility challenges and or miscarriages. So something to be mindful of, but this is a story so worth telling. And I felt that I needed to provide the space for Yesenia to share her lived experiences with us. That way, you know you are not alone. Yesenia shares a lot about her story, as well as ways in which we can advocate not just for ourselves, but also for parents out there who are struggling with infertility and also that there is always light at the end of the tunnel. Without further ado, here is my interview with Yesenia Mercedes. Hola, hola, Yesenia. ¿Cómo estás? Hola, hola. I am so excited to be here. <laughs> yes, I'm so excited for you to be here as well. We go almost a year back. Oh my since... gosh, yes. Yes. It's the cohort since Yo Quiero Dinero co cohort. <laughs> yes, yes. So for our listeners who don't know, but I was a part of Janice Torres's Yo Quiero Dinero blogger boot camp cohort class in yes. May 2022. Yes, because yes. we're in 2023. And yeah, and so through that, I built community. I, you know, have been connected with really great and amazing people like yourself. So Yesenia, yeah. thank you for being here because ever since you shared with the group about your platform and your story, I'm like, this woman needs to be here. <laughs> I know, and I feel like it's been months in the making. <laughs> However, we're here. We are yes. here because things ended up aligning. The, you know, just things ended up aligning for us. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yes, and then you've also been on an Instagram live, which that feels like 
a long time ago. Oh my gosh, yes. I think you were not pregnant when that happened. Nope. So <laughs> so yeah, and we and we were talking about like breastfeeding and it's all these different things and how you, you know, were able to relaxate and my journey, like my second time around, it was amazing. Yes, yes. So I'll make sure to share that in the show notes because yes. there were a lot of good pointers that we both shared and kind of provided our stories about our breastfeeding yes. journeys. And yeah, so again, thank you for being here. And so the reason why I wanted you to be here is to give you space to yeah. share your story because I think that it is very empowering and inspiring just so that the mommies or future mommies to be out there don't lose hope about their fertility journey because mm -hmm. oftentimes in the latinx community we don't talk about that it oh always gosh. stays in the hush hush mm -hmm. without people really realizing and knowing the just the impact okay. the emotional physical impact that it makes towards a woman but even their partner as well and so we'll definitely touch on that and and for you to share more of what you're currently doing yeah. but before we get started can you tell us a little bit more about yourself yes yes so my name is yesenio mercedes and my platform on instagram is at rooted courage and through all my platform i share my story in regards to fertility my infertility journey and also my i like to call it my mommyhood miracle <laughs> and i think i got that because you mentioned that and i was like that is perfect because i want people to know as well that i identify as a latina and then I'm also empowering and advocating for, for moms. I am a mom of two, a wife. And currently right now, I am a perinatal mental health coordinator with one of the bigger organizations here in New Jersey. And I've just been so blessed that things just aligned correctly. I have took a break from social work for about three years in the midst of the pandemic. And it ended up being perfect because I was able to just hone into being a mom and, and doing that full time. I ended up getting my real estate license, which I love. I still practice. However, after becoming a mom and through my infertility journey, I realized that I wanted to do more in that population, either with moms who are currently struggling with infertility or also moms who experience perinatal mood disorders as well. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't know where to start. I do know a friend of mine worked at the agency and there was just no openings, right, during the time. and. Ironically, it happened a couple of months ago in December and her and I sat down and we're like, will you be okay? Like, we're friends, you know, like, and I was like, yeah, I like, I want to do this, you know, I want to do this work. And, you know, I did get my master's in social work. And unfortunately, within, within my program, there wasn't anything related to reproductive health or anything that had to do with maternal mental health either. And, but at the end of the day, that wasn't, it wasn't my time to learn. I think mm -hmm. that me becoming a mom is what influenced my journey mm -hmm. uh, now and where I am to, to help empower and educate moms in regards to how to identify perinatal mood disorders or how to advocate for themselves within the health system as well. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. This is so exciting. <laughs> yes. 
And I just love how much you've grown within yes. this, right? And and even for myself, right? Like as we become moms, we grow so much. Like so much. we're not only learning from our children, but we're learning from ourselves and and how much we can also make an impact to to another mother, mm -hmm. right? And being that, you know, you're utilizing your expertise in, in social work and now as a perinatal, you know, coordinator, like that is right. awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. And especially I think that representation matters. Mm -hmm. And with you identifying as Latina, I think that that is going to make such a big impact. And that way you right. can create a safe and even brave space. Absolutely. You know, yeah. Absolutely. I feel like our our community in general, there's so much taboo when it comes to first maternal mental health, right? Anxiety, depression, especially during pregnancy, after pregnancy, during postpartum, or even in the journey of becoming pregnant, right? There's so many different things that happen and moments of sadness and hopelessness. And how do we able, how are we able to tap into that? And how are we able to find the resources, right? And I just feel so blessed to be doing that work now. And, you know, like, with the program that I'm in right now, I'm able to create so many things that as long as it's catering to maternal mental health, we run with it, you know, like, and I, I love that. I love that space to be in that space that, you know, something that I see of that we need of women of color, of Latinas, of, of black African-American women, you know, which because we are the population that unfortunately face the, the worst, how to say it, like mortality mm -hmm. and also injustice within the health system. And there's so much like I've been going to different programmings and different workshops and my mind is just like blown and I'm like mm -hmm. I am where I'm supposed to be <laughs> yes yes oh my gosh yeah oh, I'm so proud of you I'm oh, so excited you. for you yeah we can definitely keep going and I might yes. actually like invite you oh again for another episode <laughs> about you know maternal mental health because that's something that I haven't touched on really yeah. on the podcast and that is very important so, yes of course yes. absolutely Yes, I'll definitely give you that space as well. But for yeah. now, mm -hmm. like I personally know your story because you've shared it to, to us in the cohort and to me as well. But like for our listeners, would you be able to share your infertility story and kind of where that led you to yeah. now becoming a mommy of two? Yeah, so so my husband and I, we were married for about, let's say, three and a half years, four years. And we were like, I think it's time. Let's, you know, let's start <laughs> having fun, extra fun, <laughs> right? And let's grow our family. You know, we we had, we went to therapy, you know, we were able to find ourselves in a in a healthier place in our relationship. And then we were like, I think we're ready. I think we're ready to like, now we are healed. Now we are, we're work, like we feel like a unit. Like, I think it's time for us to, to do the work that we already did to create a family. Mm. And, you know, I knew that it was probably going to take time. I also knew that I didn't have a regular period unfortunately throughout my entire ever ever since I got my period but 
I guess I didn't know enough information, unfortunately, because we're not taught enough information <laughs> within our school systems or within our families or anything like that. So, you know, what I grew up with is like, don't have sex or you'll get pregnant. And that's not how it works. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right? Like, that's not how it works. And that was the taboo of like, just don't do it. And so you won't get pregnant. So mm -hmm. I won't be embarrassed that you got pregnant out of wedlock or things like that, you know? So we always had that fear. I don't know if you had that same fear, but I always had that fear of like, don't, you know, don't do it or you'll get pregnant. But little did we know is that there were situations that I had and with about a year passed by and because my period didn't come on a regular and I would have missed periods I was like oh my gosh I thought I think this is this is it right mm -hmm. and I would get so many different pregnancy tests and it was negative after negative after negative right mm -hmm. and that was year one then I continued we continued we were like you know what like let's just continue and, and see how where it takes us until I was like I I think it's now becoming a stressor on me mm -hmm. and is it is it a is it stress is it like are we not having fun anymore <laughs> like it was just like what is going on and I had then spoken to my OBGYN about it when I had an OBGYN and he was like oh you're young you'll be fine and then he put me on this medication that's called Clomid so you know I'm also clueless about that me thinking that the OBGYN had his best interest in me and and maybe he did right because maybe he dealt with other situations that you give this medication and the mom ends up being pregnant but instead of actually if like evaluating me or like making me go through tests or making me go to get ultrasounds done he didn't and mm -hmm. I was on that medication for about six months and I was like nothing is happening and he just kept like upping the, the medication he was like and he just he was like well I guess then you're gonna have to maybe fertility specialist like and I was like what do you mean like I just mm. didn't even know right so we're here two years later like you could have said this like well back after mm. you know the year that we were not getting pregnant and that's usually once that's one something that moms or women that want to become pregnant mm -hmm. if after six months to a year you do not get pregnant mm -hmm. seek help seek help outside of your OBGYN because the reality is that they're not trained in fertility mm -hmm. um, they are trained like this a little bit and then that's it mm -hmm. and I had spoken to a friend of mine that had gone seen a fertility specialist before and she was like you know I went because I had fibroids and that's how I found out that I what I had so I was like so I recommend this this company for you and it was in New York Will, Will's Cornell which they're amazing and we explained to him our story and during that process as well, my husband went to check his sperm count and see mm -hmm. how everything was going. Men, most times, <laughs> for the majority of the time, their swimmers are great. And they were like, oh my mm -hmm. gosh, it's, the swimmers are amazing. And, you know, you, you won't have a problem with it. So I was like, mm -hmm. okay, so then I guess it's something that has to do with me. The fertility specialist was very appalled that I was on medication for that long and that mm -hmm. my that my OBGYN never did 
the ultrasounds to check if the medication was actually working. Oh my gosh. Well, and, and what was yeah. this medication about? What was it supposed to do? So Clomid is supposed to help you ovulate. So what, okay. since I was not on a regular period, I wasn't ovulating. So this Clomid was supposed to help me ovulate. Little did I know was that I was supposed to start taking the medication when like I had my period or something like that. And then I was supposed to go to the office, them do an ultrasound of like what's going on in my fallopian tubes, what's going on in my ovaries. But they don't have that technology in a regular OBGYN. That's why there's fertility specialists. <laughs> they are the ones that should be prescribing that medication, not your OBGYN. Interesting. Yes. So like before you, you know, before anybody like decides, I'm like, okay, yeah, let me take this by your OBGYN. Don't like mm. try to seek fertility specialists. And they know that it's expensive. It could get expensive. Just call your insurance, try to see what they cover and maybe even try to do like a, like one of those flex accounts, like savings accounts, if anything, you know, mm. like you just never know. Um, but with the fertility specialist, he ran everything you could think of under the sun and then I found out that I had a blocked fallopian tube so one of my fallopian tubes had blockage and he really didn't want to do surgery because he was like listen you could get pregnant however it's just gonna be extra hard mm. and that crushed me because I was like dang it like <laughs> we're we're known as like Latinas right that we they we look at me and I get pregnant, <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? And that's the norm. That is what we're told, and that you know, like Latinas are known for just popping babies, according yep. to what I remember being told, you know, in college by this waitress. Oh my god! <laughs> Who, yes, we were sitting very sidebar, but we were sitting at a restaurant, and the lady's like, "Oh, you you guys have a lot of babies," and I was like, "What?" Oh so yes. God. Right. Very condescending, very odd comments. But but yeah, right. We're known to yeah, we to get pregnant and not have any issues. And little that we know is that there are so many women of color and many Latinas and many blacks that African-Americans that do suffer from infertility and even secondary infertility as well. Like mm -hmm. after having one child, like the second time around, like something just doesn't happen in your body. Right. Like, right. And unfortunately, we struggled through that. So, you know, so after he gave me my diagnosis, unfortunately, in my paperwork, it says that I am infertile, right? That I have infertility issues and that I would need science and medical help, which I do not have anything against at all. You know, God made specialists for a reason. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, you know, they're, they're the specialists because that's what they love to do and to bring life to to moms that unfortunately have some issues trying to get pregnant so we asked okay so what's the next step yeah and he's like okay we could start with IUI which is a little bit less invasive than IVF with IVF you know you you get like the dish and everything gets put in the dish and then that gets input it in you but it gets I believe it's that it surpasses if I'm not mistaken it surpasses the fallopian tube so it's actually like so you could get pregnant 
quick, like in a way that you get pregnant quicker versus like IUI, which has less percentage than IVF. Like you have a higher percentage of getting pregnant with IVF than mm-hmm. IUI. Okay. But they told us like, let's start here and let's see how it mm-hmm. goes. With my first IUI, we ended up getting pregnant. But unfortunately, within like those two to four weeks we had a chemical pregnancy which is considered an early miscarriage Mm. and you know this happens to many women that unfortunately Mm -hmm. you know you don't even know that sometimes you you are pregnant let's say you're trying or and you and your period comes and the reality is that that is a chemical pregnancy is an early miscarriage but people don't know that right Right. but who's gonna know that because they don't teach us right exactly (laughs) these things right and yeah so unfortunately we ended up having an early miscarriage and that like even though we were like, we were just optimistic about it. And we were like, okay, you know, but at the same time, like, dang it, like we got pregnant and lost it. Like, is this going to be like a recurring Mm -hmm. situation? Mm -hmm. So it was something that I had to process, but we were still determined to try and to continue. And, you know, he did tell us like, you know, the good thing is you did get pregnant. So that means that you have a high probability of getting pregnant again. So we tried for another five cycles afterwards. And unfortunately, I was ovulating in the fallopian tube side that was head blockage and not on the open side. So then that was the risk that I was going through, right? So yeah, so my husband and I then just decided, you know what, let's just take a break. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We actually that summer ended up in Chicago. We're like, let's go, let's go vacation for a little bit. Chicago. (laughs) Yes, it was a summertime and we went in August, not in the winter. No. (laughs) No, no. But it was a summertime and there was so many different like activities and the parks and we just took advantage of that. We were like, you know what, let's just take weekend trips. Let's just focus on continue focusing on us mm-hmm. uh, and you know we just decided to be like if it doesn't happen from now to the end of the year we'll consider going to do IVF okay. because he said you know after going through five cycles of IUI it you know it's not happening so the mm-hmm. next step is IVF and then he spoke to us about the possibility of having multiples because it's IVF mm-hmm. and things like that and what would be our decision if that's the case so we were like it was just a lot of information you know so we were like okay we'll we'll think about it we'll let you know our decision and you know we were getting ready to like in december we're like okay so i guess nothing happened from this time to this time and and we ended up getting pregnant on our Mm -hmm. own towards the end of the the year in december i found out that i was I believe it was like seven or eight weeks pregnant. But I do have to say, during that time, I also seeked help from this program that not this business in New York called My Wellness Solutions. Hmm. And it's, you know, a very holistic approach of cleansing your body, doing different colonics, Hmm. doing saunas, doing foot detox, doing you name it, everything the holistic route eating healthier, I was doing all those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and aside from that, I am a big believer of God. I'm Christian. So I literally learned how to surrender and just letting God mm-hmm. take over mm-hmm. and like whatever was going to was going to happen was going to happen in his time and not mine. Yeah. Right. And I remember clearly and you know, like I always say like maybe I should go back and get this test done, but that's has 
sucks and it hurts. Yeah. <laughs> because they put a dye in you to like see if the fallopian tubes are open. Um, and it actually really hurts. It's like very discomfort, like a lot of discomfortness. Um, but I remember being at church and I was serving and I was in the front and I unfortunately couldn't go to the front for them to pray for me. So what I did, I was like, you know what, I'll just pray here where I am and I'll just, God knows my heart. Right. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I said like, God, you know, my heart. And I was just like weeping as I was praying, weeping. Mm -hmm. Right. And I was like, God, you know, my heart, you know, what my husband and I want, however, is on your time. Like we, we do want to grow our family. We want, you know, our family to like our love to re like exist in human form, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I was like, but if it's not for you, then, you know, it won't happen. But if it is for you, like, let it happen. Right. And I kid you not somebody, and mind you, I'm not praying out loud. I am pr praying like me and God, it's just me and God. <laughs> and one of my sisters came over to me. And mind you, nobody know, knew this. So also know that nobody knew that we were going through any type of infertility mm. issues. It was only my husband and I at this moment. Yeah. Knowing that we had issues. She came over to me, put her hand right here and said any blockage that you have may it be broken oh wow. and i literally fell to the floor crying oh my gosh and to this you know this was something that god did right yeah because right after that moment a couple of months later we ended up pregnant and not even having to go through ivf not even having to go through the fertility specialist anymore and it wasn't in his time. It wasn't in our time. It wasn't like when we got pregnant it with the IUI, it wasn't through IVF. And again, I have nothing against it. You know, I believe that God places people mm -hmm. who are specialized in these, in these different areas for a reason, right? Like there's people like for the heart, there's people for the mm -hmm. brain, you know, but he had a bigger purpose and it was that I needed to live that testimony and go through that process right mm -hmm. um, and not saying that that god can't do it for others either like god mm -hmm. could and not saying that i believed more because that's not the case i never want that to ever be a reason that people think like oh then i guess i didn't pray enough or no mm -hmm. that's not the situation i was like my my situation was just different and like and then maybe through with you it has it has to be through ivf but why because god blessed them to to be the hands to do that for you, you know? So, yeah. but yeah. And, you know, we were like over the moon. I, I was nervous though, going through that pregnancy because I'm like, okay, I'm excited, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, what does this mean? Yeah. <laughs> what does this all mean? Right. Um, but, but yeah. And then for both of my pregnancy, I didn't need help from a fertility wow. specialist. It was I ended up getting pregnant with my second pregnancy, like during the time that we were going to start again to try. And we found out we were five weeks pregnant, you know, oh like gosh. it was just like, God is good. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. What an amazing story. And yeah. I think it's, I think it's how much you kind of give yourself, like you said, you surrendered. And I think yeah. 
that has a lot to do with mindset, spirituality, you know, and connectedness that you have yes. with the universe or your, right. your religion, whatever it right. is that you believe. Mm -hmm. I think that there is a lot of, it's like intentionality, right? Like there's right. a purpose right? without knowing. And sometimes Absolutely. as humans, we want to be in control of everything. Yes. And, and oftentimes we even don't trust our own bodies or the process right. Right. or, you know, and how we don't leave it up to the universe or God or, you know, whoever it is that you believe. And sometimes as human beings, we need to recognize that the good can happen right. to us right. Right. and being thankful for it. And, and, right. you know, and now that you've gone through this experience, you're also now you created a platform for other moms as well, right. which will definitely touch base on that. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but kind of going back on your story, how did you and your husband process all of mm -hmm. this, especially going through all those different rounds of, you know, fertility treatments? Do you think that it made you closer? in unity as a as a married couple or do you yeah. think that there were some frustrating parts where you felt like you were a failure or something like that how did you cope with all of those emotions so you would think that as a social worker i would go to therapy for everything that, <laughs> that i went through <laughs> and unfortunately i didn't but my husband and i definitely did grow closer in that journey you know we had our ups and downs in our marriage and like i said we went to therapy before everything and you know we're able to solidify our relationship and we were able to also like you know this is what we want this is how we want our, our life to, to be with God in the center and like, you know, finding forgiveness and in, in, in anything that, that any transgressions that, that may have happened. And we continued it in moving forward and just loving on each other and finding each other in, in like, in the sadness and the hopelessness and mm -hmm. in all those areas. And, and granted, though, I think because nobody knew at that moment, mm -hmm. we, we did grow closer mm -hmm. to each other. And mm -hmm. the only person that did know was my friend who sent me to the fertility specialist, right, at that time. And, you know, she was, she continued in praying over us, like, you mm -hmm. know, and that that God found, a, like God to find a purpose within what we're going through. And, you know, it ended up being a testimony for both of us, aside from our relationship and, and, and getting to where we're at. And then this as well. And it was like thing after thing, after thing all the time. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we just grew closer together, I feel like. And we mm -hmm. just checked in on each other and continued in dating each other and continued in courting each other and like, thought of the possibilities if this is not in the cards for us what could we possibly do and even had the option of like you know we could adopt and you know though it would be hard and we would have to go through that grieving process right because I always to be honest I always envisioned myself wanting to be a mom that mm -hmm. I think that was something that I always always wanted to do I remember being a part of a woman's retreat in college and one of the things that they had asked me was like what do you love about being a woman and it was like that we're able to create life mm -hmm. you know so I always had that like I always wanted to then you know and granted rooted courage did grow out of grew into that because it was finding the courage right mm -hmm. to actually share my story and I wanted and though there's women that oh my gosh can 
document their journeys mm-hmm. of like going to the doctors and like the shots and all mm-hmm. these things um, I commend them and I like I applaud them and I was like but I personally couldn't like for me like that that couldn't be my process right mm-hmm. um, for me I had to literally get to the other <laughs> to like the to the next stage like actually be pregnant or okay it didn't happen but we're having a child a different way like you know I I needed to have something like I needed to show for something I don't know if you understand like yes I just I personally couldn't go through that even though like I said I commend every woman that's able to share their journey because you know I really didn't know how how many women actually went through infertility issues until the moment that I was in that office. Mm. And I sat there and I just saw the room getting filled as the seconds and the minutes yes. passed wow. by. And wow. I wasn't by myself, anymore, you know, and it was like so many women with their spouse or by themselves. So, you know, like I went with my husband a couple of times, but then other times it was me because I had to get seen and I had to see where, where everything is and blood get drawn and shots get happen and all these different things. So, Mm -hmm. so yeah, like I, yeah, thankfully we found, we found strength within each other Mm. and of course prayer and our faith that's awesome yeah Yeah. thank you so much for sharing that because i do hear that it can cause a detriment you know yeah yeah on either partners or even the relationship itself especially when you try and try and try and that like even lust if you will becomes you know like routine and so yeah, I think it's really important to communicate and check right. in on each other. And, you know, he he like told me, like, you decide, like, what yeah. do you want to do? Like, it's your body. Like, yeah. do mm. you want like, that's why when I, I had to make the this, like, I would literally go to the office. And mind you, I live in New Jersey and I was going to New York before going. I would make the earliest appointment in the day, like six o'clock in the morning, meaning I would have to like travel so early to go to these appointments and then travel to go to work because I couldn't be taking off (laughs) like what was my excuse all the time you know so it was hard and I would call and then I would be like crying in the car going to work and then okay like (laughs) I need to go into work and act like nothing Mm -hmm. is happening right Mm -hmm. and I think maybe when I had the early the early miscarriage the chemical pregnancy that's when i was able to talk to somebody at work because they were like you're not yourself like what's mm. going on like they closed the door and <laughs> that was it you know and i could i couldn't trust in that person because they entrusted in me with so many different things as well mm. and that was the only person that knew anything during that time but i felt like i needed somebody there at work to like bounce things over with and like and know like why like today I'm not gonna be okay like let's you know <laughs> let's yeah. be each other's backbone kind of thing like yeah. if you see me like drift off it's because I'm thinking of so many things at the same time <laughs> yes oh that's yeah. good that's good yeah. that you found you know like like a small community, community. yeah yeah a small community of folks that would understand and you said that you didn't talk to your family would you mind sharing why you didn't share it with family i guess it's because of 
being a Latina, you know, like, <laughs> I feel like, oh my gosh, we don't talk about mental illnesses. We don't talk about issues. Mm-hmm. If anything is going on, we keep it to ourselves, right? We, we man up, we woman up kind of thing. Yes. And, you know, maybe I had that in my mind all the time like how are people going to view me how are they going to see like did I fail like did Mm. I fail as a woman Mm. Uh, which crossed my mind many times like okay (laughs) I have a like I have a fallopian too but one of them is not working like and though I knew I could get pregnant it was just going to be extra harder you know like it was just like so I just I don't know if it was I guess it was shame it was guilt yeah because I, I remember telling when I told my mom, I think it was like in the heat of a moment, like we were in an argument and I, and she was like, watch when you have your children, you're going to know and you're going to behave a different way. And I was like, well, maybe I'm not going to have children because you don't know that I'm like, and it just like you word exploded. vomit exploded <laughs> because I was so stressed. And mind you, like now, like people ask me about my journey and people say like, how did you do it? Like, how did you handle it? And I don't know how I did. Like I don't know how I handled it. I don't even know if, if the right if I did it the right way. You know, mm-hmm. like like but it ended up working in a sense of like our unity of like who it mattered. It was me and my spouse because we yes. were dealing with the right. situation, right? But me exploding like that and my mom like just opened up so many things that I didn't know, right? Like that my aunt had issues and that mm. I didn't know or that like you know, like just so many different things. And I was like, what? (laughs) And yeah, like after that, she was like, you know what? I'm going to go to the Dominican Republic and I'm going to get you some remedies and you're going to take all these like teas and all these things. And you know what? Yeah, all these herbs. And you know what? I was like, okay, sure. Yeah. I was like, I'll try anything at this point right now, right? Like I, and I... I don't know, it was a combination of a lot of things, but it was a combination of my faith and mm-hmm. being in a mindset. It, it like it was my mindset, mm-hmm. it was it was my body, it was like my health. I feel like I was at my best health the year I got pregnant. And maybe I wasn't at my best health before, you know? And maybe it wasn't meant to be pregnant during that time because I wasn't at my best health either. Because a lot of women don't know that, like you should like care for your body in that moment not like outside like not makeup not anything it's like inside like healing Mm. mindset how you're eating and Mm. all those things take a part in it like to see how everything ends and flourish like flourish (laughs) for you yes oh my gosh like taking the prenatals beforehand you know like how important it is for imagine like every woman will take prenatal vitamins right before right Mm -hmm. like it's just so different like not saying that if you don't because you know some women don't have the access to it or or whatnot but like just having your 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 body prepared for whenever that happens right and just creating a like a safe space for for the baby exactly yes yes i definitely hear about alcohol and you know reducing Reducing uh, saturated fats and and things like that yeah yeah and granted right children come out perfectly fine (laughs) you know like if you're eating a certain way if that's what you could like it's fine but we're just saying like in in 
people that can, right? Mm -hmm. Or that have the access to it. Yeah, because, you know, it's if you're able to, like, I know that so many people can't pay like the what I did, right? Like the cleanses that I did, it mm -hmm. was like two to three thousand dollars every time I did it. And it was, mm -hmm. I did it three times that year just because I was like, if I'm in my best health, like maybe, I don't mm -hmm. know, maybe it will work. I just wanted to try everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I just wanted to be a mom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And there's no blame or, you know, shame about that. Right. I think, you know, you definitely get to the point where you're just trying to do as many things right. and, and then that way you get some outcome out of it. And right. so that's totally understandable. And it's, yeah. you know, similar to situations when they, like, if you are sick, right? Like right. if they tell like you try to do so many different things to like try to get you, yourself better. They say mm -hmm. like when, when cancer patients are able to be around like happier moments, like with like getting them a dog or, you know, things like that, like just makes them like if they're like in a happy state of mind, mindset sometimes is able to help them because it has a lot of things have to do with mindset, you know, yeah. how you how you view things and granted, mm -hmm. yes, things sometimes don't happen for others. And, you know, there's like pros and cons to everything. But I know like being my mindset was totally different mm -hmm. during the moment that I that I ended up conceiving. And, you know, again, we were just having fun and we didn't know that we could actually get yeah. pregnant on our own. And we did. And yeah. we did. And it was it was all God. To oh, his that is awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. And I think, yeah, again, you're just like that kind of like testament, right, of having patience, having trust in your body, trusting the process, having faith. It all comes together and, and look, you have your miracle babies, yeah, which is amazing. Yeah. yeah. They're like my world. So, <laughs> you know, true motherhood, true mommyhood is they could drive me crazy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but they are they are a joy. And like and I tell my husband all the time, I was like, We can't get mad, we wanted them. <laughs> <laughs> we wanted them so hard. Yes. Yes, that, you know, we don't sleep. Eat. We don't sleep or we eat by ourselves or like in silence. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. True story. Yeah. Yes. True story. <laughs> yes. And so Rooted Courage is your platform and right, you right. kind of touched a little bit on it. Can you tell our listeners what it is and, you know, how you've been intentional in sharing Really, you share some really great stories. Like, I love watching your stories on <laughs> Instagram because I'm like, where does this woman get these articles from? Because they're so informative and yeah. you're literally creating community through your platform. Yeah. And so, Absolutely. yeah, can you share what it is? Yeah, so basically, yeah. So basically, Rooted Courage is a platform where I share, you know, things that you should ask, like, your OB like if you have an OBGYN and that is the resource that, you could have then what should you ask an OBGYN about like your your journey within pregnancy you know because unfortunately since I thought that my OBGYN had the best interest in me it took me probably like a year and a half before actually getting pregnant and actually knowing what was going on so because of that like I'm like no then you shouldn't do this like you should do that or like try to right I was blessed to have a doula and have that resource as mm -hmm. well. And she was amazing and helped me become 
such an advocate within my my rights as a woman and also my rights as a person that was going to to give birth and what my my birthing story should look like or what my mindset should be like and talking about birth plans and you know just mm-hmm. about like a variety of things as well like things that I agree with trust me there's so much information out there in regards to like how you should mom, how you should be a mom, how you shouldn't be a mom, mm-hmm. what should you read, what you shouldn't read, what you should allow them to watch, what you shouldn't allow them to. There's there's enough overwhelming information out mm-hmm. there for moms. And, you know, I just grab things and, and take things like a grain of salt because at the end of the day, like, you know best what's happening with right. your family, right? And you know what works. Sometimes, yeah, gentle parenting could could be great and then there's other times that you lose you lose it and you yell and then you feel bad you know like (laughs) so yeah no my like so rooted courage is really just a space where I share my journey Mm -hmm. through motherhood and like how as I go through things I share it like example with like my you know I'm, I'm a mom that had two cesareans and Though I try my very best to do a VBAC, which is a vaginal birth after cesarean Mm -hmm. for the second time around, things didn't plan out that way. You know, I was told that my son could have had the cord wrapped around his neck twice Mm -hmm. or it could have been, no, it could have just been wrapped around his neck. We ended up finding out that it was twice and or that it was wrapped around his foot. And though he wanted to come down, he couldn't because something was holding him, Mm -hmm. you know, and I didn't I the first time around, I was bullied basically to get a success like get a c-section the second time around they provided me with so much information and allowed me to to choose my the the route that I wanted and was like you know we feel comfortable with waiting if you want to wait and I was like you know if you can't tell me if you can't do an ultrasound and tell me that my son might be wrapped like have the cord wrapped around his neck or wrapped somewhere like what why am I gonna wait until the morning like there's you know there's no reason to to do so and thankfully you know thankfully we were able to 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 do that and and make that decision like an informed decision versus an uninformed decision and again my first time was with an OBGYN my second time was with a midwife Mm -hmm. after my six-week checkup I shared my trauma that I that I had I had a very traumatic birth and right after as well and my OBGYN didn't see me he didn't see me and didn't validate my feelings and that was the last day that he saw me Mm -hmm. like I literally was like okay thank you that was Mm -hmm. all I needed from you and that's it right Mm -hmm. you know after there was just so many things that happened like after and I, and I do share it. I finally was able to share my story with my first cesarean and it took me about a year to actually yeah. share my story and, and be okay with it. But with my second time around, though I wanted to be back so badly, I was, I think I was able to heal enough from my that birth experience because of a support group that I attended Actually, the week that I went into labor, which I don't know how, (laughs) but things happen for a reason. That same week, I was able to speak to a midwife that was in a support group. And, you know, she mentioned how 
children come into this world the way that they were meant to come into this world. They choose. Mm -hmm. They choose it. You don't. We don't have control over that. And I think at that moment, I literally released again. And Mm -hmm. I guess my story is a story of surrender (laughs) over and over again. Mm -hmm. Just surrendering to God, surrendering like you know best if you however you want to come as long as you're safe, as long as I'm safe, as long as we're able to, you know, hold you and care for you and be there for you mm-hmm. you know like so yeah I cried it out they told me that there was a possibility that I had to get a cesarean again and but this time around it wasn't as painful this time around I heard my son's cry this mm-hmm. time around I was able to have him skin to skin I was able yeah. to breastfeed right away versus my first time around you know like mm-hmm. there was so many different things that I was able to do so that's why I always say that my birth my second time birth story is magical because though the VBAC didn't happen everything else happened the way I wanted yes yeah it wasn't as traumatic as it was not so when I tell you that the nurses the doctors the everything treated us like Mm. amazing and even my husband (laughs) you know like you know he wasn't like how dads like to say like oh my gosh we're sleeping in this couch it wasn't (laughs) like that like you know he was he was treated very well and I was treated well. We were given actually one of the biggest suites in the hospital. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it had to do anything with like my gift basket that I brought. So mamas, bring a gift basket to those nurses. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> of a like good snacks, idea. like you know, like coffees and teas and snacks and like you know, I got there and I was like, here you go, lady. <laughs> <laughs> now treat me <laughs> well. <laughs> right right but no I so yeah I just share like everything like and when I go through things I share you know we just bought a house in October and I share like things about my house but I share like just my journey like my boys and and my husband and I like still going out on dates and making sure to like hone in to us again like because it becomes hard it becomes difficult when you have one when you have two and like trying finding that community right that is able to step in for you when Mm -hmm. you just need a break you know Mm -hmm. and I I have such a supportive husband that he's just amazing when it comes to like me time and like even you know like even here like he was like no I'm gonna make it home so you could do (laughs) you could do this podcast and you know I just you know he sees me he validates me he hears me and he believes in me which is you know he just like I think it's he's like even now talks about how great it is what I'm doing with this agency and like what I'm doing for moms and he's like if I was a mom like I would cry every day going through situations like Mm -hmm. the way that you do you know as a person that of color as a Mm -hmm. as a, a a black latina I consider me being at risk for being treated differently you know in the hospital and and as you know the the percentages went so much higher now post pandemic yes. of you know mortality and also like so many different things like preeclampsia and like and of course what doubled black african american mm-hmm. and latinas mm-hmm. hispanic you know unfortunately we're not being seen we're not being heard if if something hurts they don't listen to us um if we have a headache like you don't like before I feel like they, they used to talk about preeclampsia like 
being at risk of preeclampsia like during your pregnancy mm-hmm. or like yeah like during your pregnancy and not after no. right I feel like there's so many women now yes that have gone home yep and have felt migraines unstoppable migraines or like chest having chest pains and not being able to breathe and then end up in the hospital again and you know they don't hear us they just don't freaking hear us I'm sorry to like say it that way and it's it's upsetting because I remember actually a close friend of mine she 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 was so sad because she had to end up going back to the hospital and had to be seen and then she was like they told me I had preeclampsia Mm -hmm. and little and as as after she told me that, there's so many other women that have said that have said said the same thing. And like, you know, you're at risk of hemorrhaging, you're at risk of so many things. And I I think I was I I was concerned with my first pregnancy after with mm-hmm. my birth. I ended up in the hospital the next day and my leg swelled up so oh much. And I was and during that time I feel like that was the time that there were so many articles and so many things coming out about black african-american latinas brown black people that were suffering not being seen and you know passing away and not being able to to be there like they didn't and and i advocated for myself i was like no you're going to do this you're going to do this and you're going to do this i'm not leaving this hospital until you do that if find a blood clot if there is a blood clot or do something like I was like, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be at home with my children, like with my child, you know, like, and bonding, not here in the hospital, trying to find out something that you guys didn't see or like didn't believe that I was in pain or whatnot, you know? Right. I know. And and what a great way that you self-advocated for yourself, because oftentimes as, you know, as a community, communities of color, we highly rely on the doctors, right? Yeah. Like the professionals. And even yeah. though, yes, they're right. the experts, there's You're biases. The ex- yeah, there are so many biases. You know, there's white supremacy, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And and unless we don't know and do the research, you know, no one else is going to advocate for, for us. Right. And right. I'm really glad that you created this platform so that people become aware and they know more about just the nuances that happens within not just your story, right? But just like how everything can impact our mothering, you know, our pregnancies, our everything. Yeah. Right, right. And like how to like, and it's interesting because as I am doing this work now and working with moms or like either moms to be who are currently pregnant or moms who just gave birth or, you know, I, I hear like, and, and, it, and it could be, you know, it could be a little triggering, it could be a little traumatizing and things like that. But now I sort of have like a voice and like, mm. I'm able to help them in a different way and able to like, educate them and empower them and, and talk to them about like, okay, so let's talk to your doctor about how you're feeling. Let's, let's see if you need a therapist, you know, because perinat- perinatal mood disorders are able to, you know, you're able to cure, like, it's not something that you just stay with it, you know, like, of course, if there's women or that have suffered from anxiety or depression before, like you are prone, unfortunately, to, mm-hmm. to have that during pregnancy or after, because you already have these diagnoses diagnoses or right but but if you're able to tackle on it if you're able to advocate if you're able to speak up and you know if I'm able to do anything is to help you take out that shame that you feel a certain way that 
Like, I should be happy that I'm pregnant. I should be happy that I have a child. Yeah, you know, we have glamorized, social media has glamorized what motherhood should look like. But the reality is it doesn't look like that for everybody. Mm -hmm. And the reality is that every time I have taken a professional picture, my children are having like a a meltdown (laughs) right before the picture. And somehow... They take a, a good picture, but then you don't see the other pictures that Adam posts because we look horrendous. <laughs> right. Kind of going off of your journey mm-hmm. from infertility to now, right. what would you advise people in our Latino community to... I just rolled my eyes. <laughs> to stop saying or doing, right? Especially for a couple that is trying to conceive or who is struggling in their journey, what would you say to them? I would definitely say stop asking Mm. anything at all that has to do with conceiving or because at the end of the day, you're not in that room having sex with these people. Mind your business. (laughs) (laughs) I always say mind your business. But no, you just don't know. You don't know anybody's story. You don't know what they may be going through. You don't know the stressors that they're going through. You don't know if there's infertility infertility issues. You don't know if the the like them too are having issues. And you don't know if they're like, let's say, God forbid, at a brink of a divorce. You don't know anything. Yeah. You know, just mind your business, really, to be honest. Yes. Like, don't ask anything. You don't know if that person has been trying, has had miscarriages, has had atopic pregnancies. You don't know anything. You don't know if they were just told that they are infertile and they can't have a child. Nobody knows anybody's journey. And, you know, I I personally am guilty of probably doing that way before, like before I was even started having children. Like, oh, are you gonna, are you planning on having children or like? Mm-hmm. And that was something that you know. And I don't think people say it with any malice. I don't think people people like are just probably excited to like see your family grow. I don't think that there's anything, I don't think that they're trying to to be mean in any way and I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt, but people don't know. I, I remember that somebody told me, it was right after my first, or like my early miscarriage, my chemical mm-hmm. pregnancy, and clearly me being told that I had infertility issues and that it was just going to be harder, got pregnant, lost the baby. And it was the first Mother's Day, like right after, because this happened. So we found out that we lost the pregnancy the day of our anniversary, oh. right? And then Mother's Day was two weeks later. Oh. So it was just like, like everything, yeah. right? And, you know, my husband was just like, you know, if you don't want to go somewhere, we won't go. Like, you know, you know, he was trying to was like, no, like, you know, our mom should still be celebrated. Like, mm-hmm. you know, eventually I'll be a mom. Like, you know, but I, of course, cried it out because I could have been pregnant. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember going to church and somebody came up to me and said, when are you going to to get pregnant? Like, you should be you should be already pregnant like you guys been married for so long already oh my gosh. little does she know that i was struggling yeah you know i was struggling with just being told that i had infertility issues and, and she was like i hope that next mother's day you actually are pregnant or have a child or and that's as if it's that easy as is that easy right because they tell us this it's just what we grow up with mm-hmm. find like learning that we could get pregnant so easily and yeah, like I've, 
if if I had, I don't know if I could say this, those cojones. <laughs> say whatever so, you want to say. To really, you know, to really say something then, I probably would have. But I was still too hurt to mm-hmm. even say something. And I just smiled and I was like, mm-hmm. yeah. And little did she know that I was literally grieving that I wasn't pregnant, that I am here celebrating other people getting pregnant and you know all these different things and mind you like yes it was hard for me seeing like my friends and family like around me getting pregnant but I was like so happy for them and I think once I started like sharing what I was going through some people tried to shy away of telling me Mm -hmm. that they were pregnant and I think that hurt me more Mm -hmm. because I was like it's okay like like it's okay for you to tell me like Mm -hmm. I I want to be happy for you like I'm not like yes I'm like come on god like can you can you make this happen but it was just it was in my time and it happened when it was supposed to and now I could see that right during that time I couldn't but I was never like selfish or like or like mad like oh you're pregnant and I can't Mm -hmm. get pregnant like (laughs) you know like that was never my my situation yeah and I think it's because again going back to like how we grew up we don't know really that but see we we sometimes don't even know how to like manage our own feelings okay and especially when certain circumstances happen when we have these preconceived notions of like Mm -hmm. everything's gonna be perfect everything's gonna align well and then when you know when you then know about people who are trying you don't even know how to react it's almost like death in a way that you don't know what to say or what the right questions to ask when someone is grieving right right. and and i think that happens a lot that there's this level of uncomfortability you know within our community and so i'm glad that yeah like through your platform you have been very outspoken because again it's it's about representation and and creating awareness and creating a space for many people and what is one advice that you would give to someone who has been going through similar infertility issues or you know someone who is kind of juggling between the cultural norms versus like the reality yeah you know it's okay to sit in the waiting Mm. sometimes we just want to rush our life and like be like it's our time like let's just get pregnant and the reality is that it's not that way that it's and that to seek the help if you see yourself trying for six months or even up to a year and you see nothing is happening just get tested it mm-hmm. is better to get tested and find out that there, if there isn't anything then maybe I don't know, maybe it's your levels of stress or maybe it's something that you could do, like go on vacation, go do something if you can, like, you know, and just hold hone in into your relationship as well. Yeah, like I feel I feel like it's it's okay to to be in the waiting. It's hard to be in the waiting. Like you said, it is like a grieving process when it comes to that, but there's so much that could happen during the waiting in regards to like you and your spouse you and your partner like checking in on each other being there for each other knowing your feet knowing each other's fears knowing each other's hopes Mm -hmm. and if and if that hope can't flourish then where do we find ourselves like we had really tough conversations but now we don't 
like yeah we have disagreements and arguments and things like that but it doesn't get to that level because we we found ourselves in a in a like he is my safe space and I'm his safe space you know mm-hmm. like we like before we make any type of moves now like we're like okay let's you know like does it work for us like does mm-hmm. it work for our family mm-hmm. kind of thing and that helped us a lot so I feel like it's okay to be in the waiting it's hard there's grieving in it but seek help Mm-hmm. And share it with at least one person because you just don't know if that one person might know something else. I think mm-hmm. that if maybe if I would have shared it sooner, um, I could have probably already, you know, gone to the facility specialist after that one year versus going two years and a half yeah. going in. Because I just didn't know. I I was going based on what my OBGYN knew and I wish that there was more information on that or more, you know, I, I feel like a lot of people do come to me like because I'm so vocal in sharing my story and have told me things and I'm like, okay, no, you have to do this, like tell them this and that. And I remember mm-hmm. one of my friends who had infertility issues as well. She's like, they were so surprised when I told them that they had to do ultrasounds on me when they tried to put me on Clomid. Because there are freaking OBGYNs out here doing things that they're not even supposed to be doing. Right, right. <laughs> like, just don't do it. Like, no. you're not a fertility specialist. You didn't go into that, you know? No. Like, why are why are you making these people, like, go through hell, basically? Right, right. Just refer them out to a fertility specialist so they could be seen and check what really is going on mm-hmm. versus you having to go through so much yeah. hardship. Yeah. But yeah, seeking help asking at least one person like how they did it or like where they went or, mm-hmm. or just sharing. I think I, maybe I would have been in a better mental state. Not saying that I, I had depressive moments. I can't say clearly I was never diagnosed, but I could say that I had depressive moments of like, maybe this is not going to happen. And, you know, I lost a lot of weight during that time. And it was unhealthy weight, you know? So that's why I say like, that year that I did get pregnant, I feel like I, my mindset just shifted. Mm-hmm. Like everything just shifted in me. And I was like, I need to be healthy. Like this weight that I lost was not healthy at all. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like stressed, depressed, like, you know, like depressive thoughts and like not anything, not suicidal or anything like sure. that, but like just sadness of hopelessness and, right. Right. you know, yeah yeah definitely taking care of ourselves for sure okay well now we're gonna shift over to the viva la mami motherhood questions that i asked my guests and so the first question i have for you is what still surprises you about being a mommy how much i love being a boy mom (laughs) yeah boy moms Um, i my family don't have many boys we're mainly a lot of girls so it's like was like let me see, we have like maybe like five boys and then like twenty girls, <laughs> you know. So I grew up with a lot of cousins that were girls. So mm. so yeah, I love being a boy mom. I love like hearing my son like talk and like it go. He went from knowing little words to like full sentences now, and then I hear him repeat things that I say like I'm telling him like I am talking to you like listen and then he goes no I'm talking to you (laughs) you know like having that like though it drives me insane sometimes it's also like 
these kids are sponges like yeah. they're sponges and I just I love and I love 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 the newborn phase I know it's like an unpopular opinion but I love the newborn phase I love the snuggles and the the little like getting right here and you know unfortunately my husband and I are not having any more children like he did go through the vasectomy um, process already and like you know we said like okay this is good like let's not be outnumbered here like (laughs) you carry one I carry (laughs) the other I think we were good at just like you know um, though he always wanted a girl I I said like I then that would have mean for me to have a third cesarean and I just yeah me I didn't want to go through that process again but but yeah I just the newborn phase I love and that's something that surprised me even though through the sleepless nights and like trying to figure things out it's just the smell of the little I just love it what is one tip of advice you have for Latina mommies Talk to them in Spanish if you can. If you know it and you can, you know, like, because I know that some, a lot of families grew up, like, not wanting to mm-hmm. to show their children Spanish, either because of different traumas of coming to this country and mm-hmm. things like that or, or whatnot. Like, just talk to them a little bit in Spanish. They, you'll be surprised how much they grasp and you'll be mm-hmm. surprised how much they, they learn. And, you know, my son could could say the alphabets in Spanish and in English, and he could count numbers in Spanish and English. And, you know, yeah, I just love that. Like, and he's able to communicate with his grandparents. And that's something that I never want for, for even though my, my parents, like my dad under- speaks English, my mom understands it, mm-hmm. but she doesn't speak it. My in-laws speak it, but prefer Spanish, right? Like, I never want them, I never want my the grandparents to feel isolated right especially if their native tongue and their native they prefer like they prefer to to speak in spanish so you know i always try my very best it's hard it is hard but they're gonna learn they're gonna learn english in school if that's the route that you're gonna go so just continue and speaking to them in spanish and trust me it's hard because my husband and i sometimes talk in english but a veces you know, in Spanglish. <laughs> yes. So as long as he knows Spanglish, English, and, and Spanish, we're good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I love it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. that's a really great reminder to uphold our cultural roots, yes. right? And the beauty yes. of being Latino. Like, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Like, we are we're amazing. I love my culture. Yes. <laughs> we have so much to bring, and, you know, we're composed of what is it, 22 different countries, I think it is, mm-hmm. right? 22 different countries. And people see things so differently, but it's just beautiful. And it's beautiful to know our language. It's beautiful to know where we come from. It's beautiful. There's just so much beauty in it. Yes, it yeah. is. Yes. <laughs> Alrighty. And final question for you. Yes. What is your meaning of motherhood? Love, passion, and strength. Mm. I feel that I becoming a mom has increased my love has increased my strength and my passion for things i view things differently and i know that everything that i do would affect my children in somehow some way so i try my very best to uphold that and like go after things that i want versus mm-hmm. staying stuck somewhere 
Uh, Because I don't want my children to ever see me being miserable for something, Mm -hmm. Um, which is one of the reasons why, you know, I quit a toxic environment of a job and I just involved myself in being a mom. And then I was able to find this passion of advocating for moms, you know, and and they're able to see that every day. Yes. (laughs) Me living me living my truth, me living my life in that way. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> that is amazing. Yes, yes, thank yes. you so much for of sharing. Course. Yes. Thank you so much for inviting me to this platform. Yes, of <laughs> course. I was like, this woman needs to be here. <laughs> I love it. And, I love it. <laughs> where can people follow you, Yesenia? People could follow me at Rooted Courage on Instagram. And, you know, I share my everyday. I share. I try to share every day. On weekends, sometimes I take off. You know, mm-hmm. I, I like to be with my family. But sometimes, you know, I share things that I'm doing. I share behind the scenes of things. And maybe, I don't know, I'll, take, I'll start taking people like behind the scenes of how I run things with my with my new job now. Like, <laughs> and things like that, you know, because aside from like doing the work with moms, I'm also out there in the community and doing health fairs and talking about what we do and yes. connecting moms to services. So it's great. So yeah, at Rooted Courage. Well, thank you so much, Isenia, for being here. I really, really appreciate it and for your vulnerability as well and sharing your story. So thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you for creating this space for different moms in different walks of life, sharing their expertise, sharing their lives, sharing their journey. It's beautiful to see and we definitely need more Latinas out there showing our our roots, showing our journeys and that there's more to us. Thank you for tuning in to the Viva La Mami podcast. If you like this episode, make sure to leave a review and write what episode really resonated with you. If you really loved it, share it on social media or with an amiga. As always, please subscribe to this podcast wherever you are listening. Make sure to follow me at Viva La Mami on Instagram or visit VivaLaMami.com. Please note the information shared in this podcast is for educational purposes only and should not be replaced by your healthcare provider nor taken as professional advice.